Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Hi there. Welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Tuesday morning, February 19th, 2019. I am Eric. He is Tristan. And we are joined today by our youthful researcher extraordinaire and working double duty as a producer, Kyle Sapi. Hello, gentlemen. How are you today? He's the Matt Davidson of our show today. I've been compared to worse. I think I don't think he has. We'll I, think, give him, I think actually you're more valuable. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you that. we'll give you better than a spring invite, one of those non roster invitee things. What do you say, Kyle? You know. Yeah, you're like you're on the roster, man. You're like a key ah, part of the roster. You're not like a go. fringe guy who. He's, take it. You know, he's got the guarantee this? deal. He's got an extension, which is a lot better than uh, a heck of a lot of very good players can say right now. <laughs> All right. So since it's only the three of us, we're going to get to a lot of information today. Later on in the show, Kyle will be reading. Your hash browns and Tristan, who has won literally thousands of leagues, will answer those questions so you can win yours. Uh, but also, we'll, spring training is underway. We'll discuss that. Tristan wrote an article. We'll discuss that. Here is the buzz. All right. Briefly, the news of the day, Tristan, as we still wait the two biggest free agents to sign contracts. Uh, my prediction still is Harper with the Phillies. And I'm going to say Machado to the Padres now. What do you think? That's the direction I would have gone. I, I feel like the Padres and, and are very serious here about one of the two. And, and uh, you know, you and I have talked Harper for so long. I, I've felt like the Phillies were my read from the very start, that they get one of the two, and that's the one they wanted. Yeah, they need a left-handed power bat. I think they're just haggling over money at this point. Um, and then Kimbrell has to go back to Boston. Look at that bullpen. Oh, right? they're, they're saying they're out I, I bet Machado I, – I bet Kimbrell's like a one-year $25 million deal or something like that. I, mean, I, I bet Machado's a short-term deal too. Um, but actual news, because reading Twitter and all these reporters and there's ridiculousness and this is going to happen today, like it never happens. It's just I don't even pay attention to it anymore. But Mike Moustakas signed a one-year deal with the Brewers. That's a big deal. And you know why it's a big deal? Like the first thing I noticed, obviously it's a good fit. He was there last year. He's got power. They're going to play him at second base, Tristan. And that's an added eligibility. That means Mike Moustakas and Travis Shaw will both be eligible to be your middle infielders in most fantasy leagues as soon as Moustakas qualifies. That's pretty cool. You're you giving us the promise of that right now? The prom- I, mean, I, like, I, do, I saw it. I, I could see it happening. I, I think there's the possibility the two of them shuffle. I don't know that that's 100% locked in. I mean, what if Shaw does stay at second base and Moustakas stays at third? If you if you if you watch both players play defense, it seems to me that Mustakas would be a, a more versatile fit to play second. Either way, the only that. reason this matters is because to me, third base is pretty deep. I think it's the deepest position. I think it's deeper than first base. I think it's yep. certainly deeper than outfield when you have to fill five outfielder spots. So to me, if Mustakas is eventually going to be eligible at second base, that's that ups his value a little bit. Yeah, and you I know, think second, I, I like that. Shaw is already eligible there. Yeah, uh, second base is also the position that gets uh, pretty weak in the lower tiers. You're going to have to make some very you know distinct uh, kind of bargain picks in the lower tiers. Pretty much if you have a, a strong feeling individual about a player ranked beyond 15th at second base, that's the only way in which I can you know generate any sort of excitement. I, I just see it as a, a pretty weak spot. It is, you know, though, this move, the only thing that, that disappoints me is that it it's kind of a negative for Keston Hura. 
Yeah, um, prospects getting blocked. I thought about that too because that looks like now Hero may not even play in the majors this year until September. So if you were thinking about drafting, and we'll get to another prospect who's not going to start the year in the majors as well. Um, as Kyle notes here, players since the beginning of 2017 with a 220 plus ISO and a strikeout rate of 16% or lower. Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts, Francisco Lindor, Anthony Rendon, Machado, and Mustakas. That's it. Mustakas is pretty underrated. All those other guys are going in the top, like, 30, 25 of drafts. And yeah. Mustakas, you have ranked it, like, number 160, which... Which still like has the free agent I tag. Think... Which still has the free agent tag. He'll bump up about 15-ish, 20 spots with this return to I feel like he should be a top park. 100 player. Why would you take... Let me ask you, serious, why would you take Shaw over Mustakas? Just because of the second base eligibility? Yeah, if, that, if that, all things were equal with the positions. If all things were equal, that's a that's a, a great debate between the two of them, and I would narrow them right into the same spot. I probably would personally prefer Mustakas because of the contact history that he has, but the second base eligibility is one big thing there. Um, the other is I don't want to get too excited about Mike Mustakas. Still 136th on the player radar last year, the 15th third baseman. So it's not like he had an extraordinary year in this same great circumstance. Some other players, I began thinking about other players that are, might be eligible in new positions or moving the positions because I, I was reading about this Rockies thing, which is kind of weird. Charlie Blackman's going to move from center field to right field, which makes sense. He's not a good center fielder anymore, but Ian Desmond's going to play center field. I, you yeah. know, if he's yeah. going to be in your lineup, I guess you've got to put him somewhere. Nick Senzel's, I think, going to play their starting center fielder for the Reds. There's nowhere else for him to play. Yep. Um, and some good comments about the athleticism uh, from Reds camp so far. Uh, it, yeah. it, I think that's pretty valid what they're talking about. The uh, the other one that's caught my eye, and this goes back to the uh, depth of second base and your your kind of upside plays, Cattell Marte of the Diamondbacks. Mm. The talk for him was he had bounced between second, short, and center field. They wanted him in center field initially, and now they're talking about center field being a little bit more experimental and that he could still get some time at second base. So there's the possibility he logs enough time at three different positions this year or at the very least center and second to qualify this year and next. And, you know, look, multi-eligibility is always nice, especially if you're in like an AL or an NL only and the free agent pickings are kind of bare, uh, or if you're in a really deep league. So, like, I assume Senzel in our league is eligible at third base. Now he would add outfield eligibility. That would be nice. Senzel um, is actually only second base, I believe. Only second base. He, mm-hmm. he didn't play in the majors last year, though. So, well, I'm not Because it would go to that. minor league eligibility, which is where he played the majority. All right, so even better. So, yeah. so middle infield, and he could add outfield. I just think he's going to hit right away. Uh, but then again, you know, like with Hero, you never know with these prospects. Um, the, the, what the, else is in- Senzel, just a quick note on him, is that just a reminder of Glaber Torres. They were coming off significant injuries, including surgeries that ended their previous seasons. It is a possibility that Senzel needs to get a little time in the minors a la Torres and has a similar impact. That's fair. And when I was looking at the Rockies projected lineup, um, that's a team to watch in spring training. Not not Blackman and Desmond. By the way, Ian Desmond, say what you want. He's still a 20-20 guy. There's not that many of them. He doesn't mm-hmm. hit for average. but So first base and second base with the Rockies. Ryan McMahon, uh, Garrett Hampson. Those are interesting guys that potentially are blocked by the likes of Mark Reynolds. But Desmond's not blocking anymore. So I'm watching the Rockies you know, over the next month to see who gets the playing time, if these guys hit. Um, I, I just – I'm – I'm frustrated by the Ryan McMahon situation, especially when they signed Reynolds, because you could see Reynolds getting more at-bats than him, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, what else is in the news? Oh, so JT Ruimuto was traded to the Phillies. That's since our last show, right? Bury the lead, uh, we... yeah. I think that was since our last show. <laughs> well, but, you know, bury the lead. I mean, what really changed? He was already the number one fantasy catcher. 
I, I, I made the comment in, uh, in what we wrote that whereas I probably had them ranked in the 80s, I moved them up 20 spots at least because it's a better lineup. He could bat third or fourth in the lineup. Uh, he leaves a obvious hitter, a pitcher's park for an obvious hitter's park. How much did you move um, Real Muto up in your rankings? I, I had him also at one at catcher, but to me it was debatable between him and Gary Sanchez for that top spot. But the fact that Sanchez is coming off an injury, that's a negative for him. Real Muto goes into a great ball, the ballpark shift. I mean, you can't understate how big this is for him. Uh, has a history of hitting many more home runs on the road than at home. He brought that up even in the Phillies press conference there. But Marlins Park, in the three years since they changed the outfield dimensions, it was the second worst home run ballpark using the park factors in those three years. And it was the worst for right-handed batters. Meanwhile, Citizens Bank Park over a five-year span, I prefer to use five years if I have the same ballpark dimensions, was the number two ballpark for home runs. And it was number one for right-handed hitters. So to me, it's very big. I moved him up roughly 15, 20 spots. And to me, he's the unquestioned number one catcher now. Uh, speaking of the Phillies, a couple of players signed contract extensions to buy out a year or two of their free agency. Aaron Nola uh, of the Phillies, Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco of the Twins. Um, anything here for fantasy? I mean, these guys are already, we know Noel is a top 10, maybe even top five starting pitcher in fantasy. Kepler and Polanco, you can go back and forth. Kepler really has kind of, I think, been disappointing. But maybe with the contract extension, that brings confidence. Maybe he's a breakout candidate for sure, Max Kepler. Don't you agree? Uh, I, I kind of like him. I, I don't have any, I mean, I don't think the ceiling is especially high for this year, but I wonder whether this is going to be kind of a, a, an incremental growth over the next couple of years. I like these contract extensions for the twins because it signifies that they do regard them as long-term pieces in the lineup. And the fact that Kepler had some issues in terms of platooning against left-handed pitchers over the past couple of years made me question whether they regarded him this way. I think that's a big statement for those two. Um, the other one, by the way, to throw in there, Sevi. No love for Luis Severino. Uh, no, I, I just forgot. Um, but, I mean, well, I mean, when it comes to Nola, it doesn't change anything for me. Does it right. change anything right. for you on Severino? It, it did it does. Sever- I mean, I think we could we could have a, an hour debate about Severino, you right. know, what ha- happened last season. But I think everybody in a general sense trusts him to get back to the good Severino, don't you? I think that most do, but the debate for Severino is coming down to whether he belongs in the upper rankings of the 11 to 20 starting pitching range, as opposed to does he belong deep in the top 10. I think we could have a good debate about whether he belongs at 7 or 8 or 12 or 13, and I lean more towards the 7 and 8. Blue Jays made a statement the other day, Vlad Guerrero Jr., very likely to start in the minor leagues. Don't blame the Blue Jays. This is the right move for contractual status and control. But I still think it's only going to be a couple weeks, just like the Chris Bryant situation with the Cubs a couple years ago. And if this lowers Vlad's fantasy value, then good that we have a chance to get him. I mean, because somebody's going to be taking him in around three or four in your league. Yeah, uh, almost every single draft I've seen, he's been going within the top 50 picks, and the majority is going in the top 40, which is even higher than I ranked him. I love the guy. I know you love the guy. We've seen him several times. There's really nothing to dispute here. And as a matter of fact, I, I, I got to raise the point that I'm seeing on Twitter here, which is ridiculous. People are talking about the video of, of seeing him, and, and he looks out of shape. Have you ever seen him hit? That's what I'd ask That's people. When you look at that like. video, have you ever seen him hit? He can rake. He's not a... um. I mean, he's not a small guy, and and I could see him being their right field. He could have a path like Nicholas Castellanos. I don't think he's really a third baseman. I think he's going to eat, eat – maybe he can't even play right field. I mean, but he's not like – But he's going to rake more than Castellanos. Let's be careful not to 
concerned people. No, he's, he should rake. Well, I mean, if I told you that Castellanos this year goes 30, 100, and 300, you can't tell me for sure Vlad does that. I, I can't, no, but I, it's taken Castellanos longer to get to those levels. Yeah. I think Guerrero is more likely to get there sooner. I mean, look, I sat right next to you watching a hindhold play with, with Guerrero, and I raised the very thing that people are saying on Twitter about him right now that they have those concerns. And defensively, we can have that question. I don't question the bat. I watch this guy play, and I'm like, that's incredible. I mean, the this fact is, that he can do what this, he does. This is Miguel Cabrera, people. Miguel Cabrera started out as a bad third baseman. We didn't care. We yep. just wanted him to hit. And I think Guerrero is a bad third baseman who will probably move to first base or DH or whatever, but he's going to rake and he's going to – I think he gets over 500 plate appearances in the major leagues this season. Do you agree? Yep. And, and uh, I mean, the only thing that this stands in the way of – I mean, assuming he stays healthy the whole year, there were a couple of injury bumps last year, is that it means he doesn't get 700 PAs. Okay, so he doesn't get the absolute shoot for the moon, moon projection in terms of playing time. So what? I'm on board. I think he's great. And by the way, Cabrera, left fielder when he debuted. I was there at the game he debuted. He homered in the first game. He played left field. They will find a place for Guerrero and it's going to be soon. Pujols uh, debuted at third base, didn't he? Uh, sure I do he believe did. so, yes. yes. As a matter of fact, he was so, the guy who nobody expected to make the team in 0-1 with the Cardinals and he did as a dark horse prospect. But he wasn't like a highly touted guy. Not like this. Um, so let me ask you this. Who gets more plate appearances in the major leagues this season? Vlad Guerrero Jr. or Francisco Lindor? That's that's no, that's an excellent question. I'm going to go with Lindor here, and and I'm I'm going to say it pretty confidently. But I like this question. Why are we pointing this out? So Lindor has a calf injury, and it wasn't one of those that like gets like like nobody cares that Jake Arrieta had knee surgery three weeks ago because he'll be ready for opening day, and he's Jake Arrieta. But Lindor, everybody starts panicking. So he might miss the beginning of the season. It might be a week or two. It might be a month. We don't really know for sure. People are speculating about the stolen base output. In the labor mixed draft, 15 teams took place earlier this week. Lindor fell to the ninth overall pick, whereas he would have been a top five pick if he was healthy. Does he fall out of your top 10? Uh, do you think nine is about right? Are you concerned that he might steal only like 10 bases this season? What do you think? Uh, a little bit of yeses to all of these things. I, I feel like nine was very fair. I've got him 11th, and that's kind of debatable because uh, the change for me here is, yeah, a little bit more worry about stolen bases. Two things I liked about him a lot. One is the uh, abundance of playing time. This guy is so good with the glove, and he hits high in the order, and he belongs there, that he was going to challenge for one of the highest numbers of plate appearances in the majors. That's big for his value. The stolen bases, the potential there and the upside was another thing I found very appealing, and it made the case for him legitimately at number three overall after Trout and Betts, I felt like Lindor made a compelling case to be taken ahead of Jose Martinez and J.D. Martinez who I think are the other two guys who belong in that conversation and this draws him back closer to do you want Lindor or do you feel worried about him and want to take Machado pending where he winds up or Alex Bregman also dealing with an injury question coming into spring training still makes Lindor an excellent player but I think he belongs a little bit closer there to 10. I think you mean Jose Ramirez, not Jose Martinez of the Cardinals. There. Jose Ramirez, um, J.D. Martinez, yes. <laughs> no, I want to. Well, I want to. You're right. Look, if people are, if people are listening, you know, if I don't catch it, so no, um, thank you for catching it. Other thoughts from the labor mixed draft the other day. Rio Muto was the first catcher taken at 58 overall, and Gary Sanchez was the next catcher at 98. That, that's kind of the difference that I have in these two catchers, but it sounds like you don't. So, what do you like about Gary Sanchez that you have him a lot closer to Rio Muto than say other people? So I've got them 23 spots apart. 
the reason for this, and, and I mean, that's pretty wide. I mean, we're talking about two full rounds here, and that's including in the deeper 15-team type NFBC formats. The reason I like Sanchez is that I do think that the raw power potential is there, and I think he was extremely lucky in terms of batting average. The, the BABIP was pretty poor, and I do think injuries contributed a little bit to that. There's going to be some rebound. I, I do want to see how he re- rebounds from this uh, this injury last year during spring training, but I'm leaning towards optimism. I think he's 30-plus homers kind of in the bank. And when we say labor, that's a League of Alternative Baseball Reality. That was their mixed league draft. Tristan and I will be in Phoenix, Arizona, not this weekend, but next weekend uh, for the AL and NL onlys. You are in the American League only. I am in NL only. And then two weeks later, the other uh, generally recognized expert league is Taors. And um, I am in mixed league there, and you are in NL only. Right? Yes. Yeah, so, so you should you should appreciate these results quite a bit because I think it's the same format here. I'm well, in NL only opt out. Yes. Right. I'm we're we're in auction leagues. This was a draft. True. true, true. I, you know, I have to admit like I prepare for draft and auction. But in an auction it is nice, you know, like somebody brings up a player and you might think, "Oh, well, maybe I can bid on him." In a draft the player's just gone, you know. Right. So it, it is a huge difference. Um and that's that's something that would happen when you talk about stolen bases. One of the things I noted from this labor draft the other day, speed was really addressed early. Whit Merrifield went 29th, Starlin Marte 33rd, um, Adalberto Montesi went 49, Jonathan Villar went 67. These are really propped up like numbers. Like I did not expect to see Villar go that high. Victor Robles went 79. Malik Smith somehow fell out of the top 100 at 107. But still, if you don't get stolen bases early, you may not get them at all. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and, but, like, if you're in an auction and somebody brings up VR, you get, you know, a minute or two to ponder whether you want to bid on that. In the draft, you just – you don't get them. However, right? in an auction, I do find that there's an increasing premium for stolen bases when the league's perception is that there aren't enough of them, especially when you're talking about a guy who's got middle and infield eligibility like VR. I, I tend to watch guys like this get their prices bid up. Billy Hamilton being a prime example in the leagues you and I have both been in over the past several years, he typically gets a premium just because people are desperate for those steals based on when he is brought up in the auction. Uh, just as a quick side note on that one, Smith, you mentioned falling out of the top 100. I do think he was a top 100 uh, capable player before the injury he has during spring training. I wonder whether that contributed. And Tristan, you wrote your annual Kings of Command uh, piece on starting pitching, and it's a must-read. Really one of the, the one of the most important articles we write every spring because it talks about breakout pitchers to draft, and unlike me who just kind of guesses and writes stuff, you actually have all these in, in you know all these numbers in here from your spreadsheets. Uh, talking about swing strike percentage and first pitch strike rate and a lot of other things that delves deeper into each of these pitchers. I'm not not saying I just look at ERA and WHIP. I look at a lot of things too. But you're going really in depth here, and a bunch of these pitchers, they all make sense to me. Uh, but like a couple of my, I just like I don't want to deal with John Gray anymore. What how, what do you tell somebody? And everybody should check it out. We're not going to name all the pitchers. It is a free article. But like, what do you tell somebody that's been burned by John Gray? Okay, you got to keep going back. How do you how do you do that? Yeah, and, and the column does explain it in greater detail than we can spend time right here. Uh, but in this case, I understand the Coors Field 
problem. That that is an issue for any pitcher here. But if you're on board with Herman Marquez and his skill set, why weren't you? Why aren't you on board with a guy like John Gray, who does have the uh, maybe not equivalent strikeout potential, but has great stuff? And the underlying numbers said that he was extraordinarily unlucky. Where guys like guys on his own team, like Cal Freeland last year, were rather fortunate. I do think some of that is going to balance out a little bit. Gray is probably never going to be a Cy Young contender, not even this year with what I write about him. But he does do those things like get first first pitch strikes, get swings and misses. And when a pitcher can do that, if he owns those skills, those are the guys I want to get. I don't care about the ERA. It doesn't matter at all. Well, I, I have to be honest. The issue with John Gray to me is not Coors Field. His, his ERA was actually better at Coors Field. What is the, the issue, issue with is just, The issue is him. It's It's years of, like, underachieving – and doing strange things. He, he, he's got the, all these underlying numbers that look good, but I don't want to compare him to Dave Bush, the old brewer, because obviously Gray's upside is huge. But he just isn't doing it. And I, I wonder how many years. And Coors Field doesn't help, okay? I mean, he's not going to have an ERA of 250 at home. Kyle Freeland's not going to do what he did again, probably at home. It's hard to do that. It's just Gray on the road. I don't know how many times I watched him on in, in road starts just – have yep. one bad inning. It's always like one bad inning with him. So, he, but I, but the underlying numbers tell us to keep going back. And there's a couple of Phillies on there. Forty yep. um, percent of our rotation there, if I recall. <laughs> well, everybody's everybody's so on board with a breakout from Nick Pavetta that you probably can't get a value on him anymore. I want the other so. guy. I want the other guy, and that's as far as I'm going on that column. I want to. I, uh, by the way, since you said it on Gray on the road, yes, uh, actually worse on the road than he was at Coors Field is a problem. But what I remind people about Colorado Rockies players is that it's not just about the home road splits; it's about dealing with the differentials in altitude, going from the highs to the lows, and what that does to pitchers and hitters and their pitches and launch angles, exit velocity, and the like. The first pitcher you mentioned in this column, I have him on every league. Every I league. like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantasy and sim, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. As long as he me. doesn't make you sing, it's all good with me. Uh, no, we will not sing his songs. Okay, uh, what is next? All right, so now we got time for questions. So coming up right after this, Kyle will read your hash browns, and Tristan will expertly answer them. All right, so I see a lot of good questions in here. Um, and then we'll have an announcement on a future show, which will interest a lot of listeners, we think. Um, Kyle, what you got here? Yeah, always on the Twitter machine. Feel free to drop us questions. Use the hashtag 06010MLB, and we'll field as many as we can on a show-by-show basis here. Ryan wants to know why Brian Dozier isn't getting more love. He plays every day, has the power speed potential, and he's hitting in the middle third of what looks like a strong lineup, even without Harper. You know, this comes down to a lot of people, and this is an, an, an annual, a daily argument between Tristan and I. Not an argument. I mean, a debate. <laughs> debate. <laughs> debate. That two years ago, Brian Dozier hit 34 home runs, and the batting average was fine. And last year, he didn't hit 34 home runs, and the batting average wasn't fine. And most people just look at last season. I'm not saying Tristan does. But even if you just average his past three seasons, Tristan, mm-hmm. like, obviously, there's a trend here, which is a little bit disturbing. But when I look at the underlying numbers on Dozier, I'm not that disturbed. I think this is a very good bounce back. I don't think he hits 34 home runs, but I wouldn't be the least bit shocked if he gets back to 30 home runs and hits 250. So to me, he is a bargain. And I 
could get on board with that, and I've been wondering over the past week whether I am uh, of any, more than any other player underrating Brian Dozier because I do think injuries contributed a little bit to this performance. I like this trend. I'm looking at the games played numbers. 151 plus in each of the past five years, 147 the year before that, and it uh, led to at least 632 plate appearances in each of those past five. So health, you know, really didn't keep him off the field. That's a big plus for him. Um, I'm just concerned about the fact that he is going into his age 32 season. The trend is going a little bit downwards. I, I feel like he's following a natural kind of trend, and I'm with you with that maybe 25 homers is what it is. Maybe he gets to 27, 28. Maybe he gets back to a 250 average, but perhaps it's slightly beneath that. So, I don't know. I'm maybe not the least top 80, surprised. top 90? I, I've got him in my, I have a number 90. You have him at 131. So, that's very typical for the way you and I rank because I generally – I'm not saying I just, I just totally disregard what happened last season – but I feel like I'm more likely to look at two seasons ago than you are for what could be a bounce back opportunity. So, you know, I could be wrong, but that's a pretty big difference. 40 spots in our rankings on Dozier. And we might even have similar projections on him. Right. But just have the rankings different. You know what I mean? Like, I think we kind of agree. 25 to 30 home runs, 250. To me, that's a top 100 player. So... Where do you have him among second basemen? I, I, I've, this is the thing. When I get into the range of 76 to 150 in the overall rankings, to me, I'm looking at positions more than I'm looking at the overall rankings. So where do you have him at second base alone? Yeah, you have him 12 and I have him 10. So it's not that big a difference. And, and I'm wondering whether I've got him two to three spots too low at this position. I, that, this is what I'm thinking about because, I, I mean, you mentioned that, that we have the different approaches. I've been nearing a lot more towards your trust the guy in the year before he got hurt. This is the Joey Votto discussion we had a couple weeks back. And I feel like maybe I'm mistaken here on Dozier. I'm going to take a look at I'm taking a closer look at this this, this week. All right. Fair enough. What's next? Our projection for Dozier, 28 homers, 227 average. That feels Oof. low to me, doesn't it? Ooh, that's a low average. That's, yeah. that's a low average. Right. So get I'd say fewer low. homers, better batting average. Get no, I, I think same homers and like uh, 248. Well, what are the steals, too? That's the other thing. Probably double digits. I mean, he's not batting one or two, but got him at I don't know if Robles, Robles might bat ninth. That's a really good lineup, even without Harper. Like, Dozier, Dozier could bat sixth and knock in 100 runs. He did slow last year. The The speed metrics were down, so that's... I, I wonder... Steals. If he gets there, then I'm under-ranking him. No question. All right. All right. Next question. M- Muffy. Finds himself ending up with a lot of shares of Jesus Aguilar in mock drafts this season. Can he expect something close to what he gave us last season? Roughly 35 homers, 110 ribs, the 275 average. I don't see why not. I, mean, I don't think anybody really questions him, do you? Uh, we Actually, we have him ranked in pretty much the exact same spot, number 80 uh, or so. Um, it all looked legit to me. I, I have no I have no concerns about Aguilar. I went back and forth on Aguilar versus Jose Abreu, and I think you might have too. You actually have oh you have him ranked in the exact same spot, eighty two and eighty three. So I have Abreu like ten spots higher, but that's just because he's done it for more years. The difference between those two players for me is I like the ballpark better, and I like the raw power metrics better for Aguilar. Uh, in the second half, showed very good play discipline and had a lot of bad luck on balls in play. Um, so the average is probably going to be down. I wrote for my final out on him. He's a 250, maybe 260 hitter, but in this park, 40 homers isn't crazy. 
And, you know, when it comes to playing time, I don't think we have to worry about it for Aguilar. I don't think they want Ryan Braun playing first. I don't think they want Ryan Braun playing at all, really. But They said he's um, in the outfield, I, yeah. He's in the outfield. I, it's not like they have a great fourth outfielder anymore. Um, Aguilar is going to play every day. And Abreu is going to split first base in DH with Yonder Alonso, Machado's cousin. So uh, that should help him a little bit, too, if, if playing the field was part of the reason why he didn't have his great... Actually, he just got hurt in the final month, and it was See? the kind of injury we can't say on the show. So you right. can Google it if you like. By the way, is he, is he I, cousin or brother-in-law? I'm trying to... He's brother-in-law, isn't he? I just don't care. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean... It's very important to getting Machado in Chicago. <laughs> do you Machado's fear Machado... By the way, you mentioned Machado quickly. Do you, do, do you fear Machado and Petco because of the park factors? Nope. Park factors were actually kind of neutral for San Diego, weren't they? They were relatively neutral, yes. Uh, but he, he, remember, his career has been played, for the most part, in Baltimore, which has a positive homer factor. I, I'll tell you what. Most people would say, if, <coughs> if between Harper and Machado, who is more likely to have a bad season? You'd have to say Harper, because he's had a couple, and Machado really hasn't. But if you take Machado out of Baltimore and put him in San Diego, which is neutral, if it's neutral again, we can't right. say for sure it will be again. You could see Machado going like 270 with like 24 home runs, couldn't you? As opposed to his normal numbers. That's, that's what a possibility. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm talking about for the, the slight fear of him landing there. And I would tell you, I'm, I'm not so sure that it's Harper is the, the, the bus candidate of these two. I could, I could make a, and I know the people out there can make a compelling case after the, the Machado's comments at the end of last year during the playoffs. Honestly, if Harper signs with the Phillies, I can't see him having a bad season. He would have a, a, a great ballpark, great yep. lineup around him. Yep. Like, take your walks, hit for power. I think he would have a monster year. I, that's just, but I could be biased. I, I think it's all know. about health with Harper. I think health is the primary obstacle to him being a, a superstar. If he signs in Philly, how many offenses do you prefer to the Phillies? Well, uh, the Golden State Warriors, of course. Oh, wait. They are tied. <laughs> We're talking about <laughs> The Patriots. Sure. No, I'd take no. them over the Patriots. I'd take them over the Patriots. Yankees um, over the Phillies. I'd still do that. Would you? Yep. That Phillies lineup is, is pretty good if they get Harper. I mean, it's like the best. You could make a case. Now, I don't know what they're going to do with the actual lineup. Like, if Cesar Hernandez bats first, yeah, he gets on base, but there's no power. I'd almost rather McCutcheon. Like, I'd go, like, McCutcheon, Harper, Real Muto, Hoskins. Like, that's that's really good. Yankees, obviously... Judge and Stanton, and, you know, they've got a lot of pieces there, too. Judge leading off against lefties, I love that. I, I don't know. It's 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 certainly a top-five offense if they get Harper. I, I love Hicks batting leadoff against righties, and maybe every day. He's a I, big key. Yeah, I know? think there are a lot of Hicks I think Odubel Hicks, Herrera. Hicks and Andohar, I think, are two very underrated hitters just from a pure baseball perspective. I'm not saying necessarily fantasy-wise based on where they're going. That is what makes the Yankee lineup so appealing to me. Okay, next. Alrighty, Robert's got a question on Vlad Jr. He knows that you usually want to go with some safety in the early rounds and take your shots or upside later in the draft. But, I mean, obviously Vlad comes with the upside. He wants you to compare him with proven guys like Anthony Rendon and Matt Carpenter and your comfort level to taking him so early on. I, I feel like I'm just, I'm already comfortable with Vlad. I feel like he's a guaranteed, I mean, he's been getting oh, to me. Oh, what guarantee? He put the guarantee word, the G I word. No. I heard it. Oh. Well, I just, I don't see how he can fail to hit. If the Blue Jays just promote him, and again, I'm not even complaining about the, what the Blue Jays are doing. They're doing the right thing. 
But if 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 Vlad is up on April fifteenth, which I think he will be, I can't see him having a bad season. Now I still have Rendon. I would take Rendon over Guerrero. I have Rendon ranked really high. He had a great year. I I have Vlad over Carpenter because I don't see how Carpenter can bat two seventy for a full season. And also that power was a little bit odd. It was like in streaks. Um, so to me, the other thing is when I'm in a draft, okay, and I'm in round four or even an auction, I'm round four or five, okay. If my top players have some risk, I might not take a guy like Guerrero or a pitcher like Noah Syndergaard. But if my top guys are pretty secure, guaranteed numbers are coming, then I might take a chance. I don't, I don't necessarily take chances only at the end. I mean, who are you going to get at the end that, you know, Fernando Tatis probably isn't playing more than half the season. Vlad will. So I think. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, kind of. I've, uh, my mind drifted to another thought about prospects that I think is relevant here. You didn't listen to a word I said. I did. Which and is then, fine. I'm and then I thought of something. Mid-season form. But, yeah, see, my podcast I'm, wife doesn't hear a word I say. I'm in the best ignoring <laughs> shape of my life. Um, <laughs> the the prospect rankings, and I don't remember which of the scouts it was that said this, but they account for every facet of a player's game. But in Guerrero's case, there's really no denying across all of Major League Baseball that Guerrero's bat is the best of any prospect, and it's not even close. He is number one offensively, which is all that we need in fantasy. In the majority of fantasy leagues, that's what counts. So the upside is, really, that he could put up one of those epic rookie years. He could put up the kind of overall production with a better batting average, perhaps, but less steals than Ronald Acuna. He could put up a year like Mike Trout had in that in that rookie season of his. Not the first debut year, but the second one, the rookie of the year season. That's the upside. And if you're taking him in the fourth and fifth round and he does that, you did get profit. That said, I'm still going with Rendon over him. Eric, I'm with you. I think Rendon still has room to grow. The problem with Carpenter is just the batting average. And as you said, the streakiness, the injuries at the beginning of last season. But I'm taking Rendon and I'm taking Carpenter over Guerrero if it's a points league. Well, that's a good point. We probably should have mentioned points leagues as well. Uh, what, what else we got here, Kyle? We got CJ. He's curious as to why Jerks and Profar continues to inch up boards, but his boy Nico Gudrum's getting no love nearly 100 picks later. That's a good point. Well, Profar last year, I mean, he hit for more power than I think people realize. 20 home runs and 10 steals without being caught. Batting average was a bit low. Was it unlucky? Why did he hit so low of a batting average? Seems odd. But those are legit numbers, but he's leaving Texas for Oakland. Mm -hmm. So people automatically think, well, the ballpark, right? He can't do that again. I don't see why he can't do that again. I don't think anybody's even looking at Nico Goodrum. The only reason I think people look at him is because of, what, position eligibility? Isn't he eligible at a bunch of different spots? Goodrum uh, is eligible currently at, uh, let's see, where, where is Second base and first base. Yeah, you're right. Second, second and first, that's it? Okay. By the way, uh, Profar's first, third, and short will add second. Yeah, he's going to be their second base. You know, Goodrum, it's pretty surprising. 16 homers, 12 steals, low batting average, a lot of strikeouts. Where is he playing now he's going to be their second baseman right yes but if i recall they are looking at him as a utility man there was talk he might even dabble at first base so they you know they're looking at him as their second baseman but i still think there's a utility path for him here i would say this um Goodrum's risk is in the strikeout rate okay so that 245 could be 225 and the playing time could go down although detroit doesn't have a very good offense here but uh with pro if 
Where's Profar going? What round do you have him ranked? Let me just make sure I have it right here. I think it was 14. The other you have him, yeah, you have him in round 14, and I, I can't imagine I have him any higher or much higher than that. Um, but Goodwin probably isn't even being looked at at all. Yeah, I profile a little bit after you. I don't have Goodwin ranked, do you? I, I do. Tw- round 26. Uh, yeah, it's probably not good enough. Tab. Yeah, 281 overall. Uh, 26th uh, second baseman. First base, he's not really going to... Well, actually, he might register decently at first base. No, nope, 32nd. Um, Goodrum never was a power hitter in the minors. That's one thing that throws me. I mean, yeah, he, he, he got to double digits two years ago. But I feel like power has never really been a big part of his game. That's the key difference between these two is I think Profar has the potential to add power to his game. Had a 228 isolated power after the All-Star break. 348 on base percentage. Uh, he, he definitely showed improvement over the, the course of the year, his first full healthy one. And remember, he was a, a top prospect from the scouts way back when. Oh, yeah. No, he took the Alex Gordon path. Took him a while. All right, what's next? And we'll get out of here on a few over-unders. I'm just looking for one word, over or under, for these categories. 48 and a half stolen bases for the major league leader this year. Over. Over. Trey Turner. Oops. Eh, three words. Not too bad. Broke the rules. 47 and a half home runs plus steals for Javier Baez this year. Under. Ooh. I will go over with such confidence there more rbi this season reese hoskins giancarlo stanton we're going phillies against yanks here phillies <laughs> did i even have to put a name there <laughs> one word uh i follow the rules tristan's clearly yeah, not in this yeah. game um he wasn't listening to you nope uh you gotta stay on brand at some point yankees and last one here, more wins this season, as fluky as wins can be. Jacob DeGrom versus Clayton Kershaw. DeGrom. DeGrom. Well. How many over under 21 and a half starts for Kershaw? Um, See, like, that's I'll the say, problem. I'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say over, but not wild about that. I one. don't want him. You know, I rank him, like, number 10 at starting pitcher. I, I, In the drafts I've been in so far, I just really haven't gravitated toward taking him. You know, so even are there guys like that for you where you have them ranked in a spot and then you're in a draft and push comes to shove. You have 30 seconds to make a decision. You're like, I just don't want him. He's great, yeah. but I don't want him. Yeah. I, Honestly, I, I can what, go through my rankings and find other guys like that. Yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> bias that we just addressed a couple of minutes ago, I, I would think would be one. But there there are pro bias oh. people who have taken him in the top 12. So why? Why? What do you, what's your concern on bias? I, I'm not comfortable taking batting average risk and a shaky contact rate like his that early. It makes me very uncomfortable just based strategically in the draft. It also depends on how deep the draft is, if it's 15 team versus 10. You're drafting okay. his ceiling, aren't you? That's what I'm afraid of. And I, I, I look, it's it's a tremendous ceiling. I, I mean, there's a reason I picked over on that, but there's risk. There's there's definite risk there. I Yeah, I, I look at Baez the same way, I think. Man, that it all came together for him. Can that can he do that again? Like, who would I take over him? Like, I'm not taking Altuve over him. We've been back and forth on this one, I think. But like, I think I would take like more established power, even Goldschmidt, Freeman, Aaron Judge. I think maybe all of them over Baez. Although I don't, I don't rank it that way, but I, I might redo it. Like, I have Acuna over Baez, which is not me. I have Machado over both of them. I think I might be moving Machado down a little bit. You know, at some point, 
again, we're not there yet. It's still mid-February. But yeah. if we're three weeks later and Harper and Machado haven't signed, do we just move them down just because they may not be ready to play, you know, in April? I mean, that point was raised with the free agents who signed late last year. I mean, remember, there were a lot of guys who did sign after camps opened last season. There weren't How, a lot. I mean, it was like Hosmer, Arietta, J.D. Martinez obviously didn't have a bad season. And that was the good one, was J.D. Martinez was one of the ones who signed late, and he had an amazing season. And then people will bring up the Udarvishes and the Lance Lins, and there was one other pitcher, too, who had a bad year. I forget who it was. Cobb. Cal- Do you remember who it was? Oh, Cobb. Cobb. Alex Cobb. Yeah, Cobb. So I'm not really that worried about Harper and Machado. It's just I look at my rankings and I see Machado at 11 and Harper at 26, and I can see that not being reversed, but more to the middle on both. Like, if Harper went to the Phillies, I think he'd be in my top 20. If Machado went to the Padres, he wouldn't be 11. And you have something similar, right? I mean, yeah. you're Machado at 10, 10 and that's Harper at 23. Yeah, uh, the, I, I can see either one moving roughly five spots in either direction based on the, the destination. So, all right, so spring training games are here. Is there a player or two that you're looking at that you want to see, like, what they do in spring training or see what their role is or where they bat? I mean, we'll get to this. We're probably doing a show next week. Kyle will tweet it out when we know for sure. But we think we're going weekly now until the season starts, and then we'll be a Monday-Thursday show. So is there anybody you're watching for, say, like this week? It's a little early, right? So to that point about the Phillies lineup, what the order is, I think, does have some say in a couple of uh, key players' fantasy value. The individuals in terms of injuries, and I'm not looking for the stats, just how healthy do they look? Chris Bryant definitely is on that list. Uh, and hey, nobody else is coming up as flagged other than that. That was the big one for me. I do want to see how Sanchez looks once he starts swinging the bat in games, though. Gary Sanchez. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, that's that's a guy whose value can change in spring training. And, you know, just because I wait to the last round in a one-catcher league to take my catcher, in a two-catcher league, that's not the case. And when we're at labor in Phoenix, you know, we can't just ignore catching. You know, right. your number one catcher can't be Andrew Knapp. So <laughs> I think he was my number two catcher last year. Like, Rio Muto's got to be at least a $20 player. Yeah. And then yeah. only. I would say so. so yeah. And Sanchez, I do me. believe, will get to 20. Yeah, that won't be me. But because um, I, I'd rather have, like, Yadier Molina at, like, eight if I can get him. Then Riomoto at twenty. Molina's definitely going to go for more than eight. I would, I would, I would he guess he might. Like eight last year. I, I don't would think guess he went he, for a lot more than that. He might go for double that. That's going to be my guess. I think he's going for fourteen, fifteen. All right, just guessing. Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for listening to Fantasy Focus Baseball for Tuesday, February nineteenth. Uh, for Kyle and Tristan, I am Eric. Uh, we think there'll be a show next week, as I said a little bit earlier, and uh, we w- want you engaged, sending tweets and sending ideas as well. Check out our draft kit. It is on ESPN Fantasy. And uh, be patient with the game. It's evolving. And uh, for everybody who makes this show great, uh, thank you so much. And have an awesome day. Everything is awesome. Darkness.